available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the podcast of champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together, we make the podcast of champions talking all things Pac-12 football, maybe a little basketball. We'll finish off this is probably the last time we talk about basketball on this show for quite a while but we will just a bit we want to uh, let you know how to get a hold of us you can email us packable podcast at gmail.com that's the email address we've got some emails to get to today you could also call or text us that number is 424-532-0678 we appreciate all the calls and all the texts you can tweet us at pack 12 podcast that's a twitter handle and the website is pack 12 podcast.com Go over to Reddit if you're a Reddit person. I checked it out this past week. Reddit slash r slash podcast of champions. And if you have your iPhone, you got your iPad, maybe your Mac computer, if you have that little Apple podcasting app, please follow us on there. Follow the podcast of champions. And most importantly, give us a five-star rating. That's all we ask. It's a very small ask. We put so much effort and energy, so much preparation into the show. All we ask is a five-star rating. It's not too much to ask, Dave. I don't think so. I don't think so. And we got another one this week. Nice. So clearly it wasn't too much for this person either. Uh, this is from Mick Lister, O2, uh, a repeat of Listen McListener from last week, five stars. Subject line, five out of four stars. Uh, a promise is a promise. For David's rendition of All Right Now, here is the consequent five-star rating. To set the record straight, that Stanford guy did not think to get David to sing via review, as you guys said. It was, in fact, a Cal Cal Poly Pomona grad. So goes to to show which degree got more bang for its buck. Uh (laughs) Half kidding aside, Ryan and David demonstrate great chemistry on air, and the listeners make this seem like a community more than just a podcast. I love that the topics can go in any direction, any given week, engaging and entertaining experience each week. I don't know how true that is, that final sentence. I would say it's hit or miss. (laughs) But you know what? We'll take it. Even dishonest reviews, we we accept with love. I love that review. That was nice, and we appreciate that one. Um, we got a bunch of stuff to get to. There, there's like a homeless guy. There was a USC practice. We got a major coach in college football and college basketball who got shit canned this week. But I want to let you everyone know right away, I am wearing a shirt that has the Pac-12 logo on it, and it says jockey on one side. Went golfing today, a little earlier today, David. It's a really cool jockey golf polo, and it says the you know Pac-12 on it. So very happy uh, that the uh, the jockey people were able to send that over to us, and uh, they've been super cool. So I know we talked a little trash uh, in the very beginning, but they sent us some great stuff, and uh, I'm I'm really a fan of this uh, polo, Dave. Yeah, so I have a jockey uh, pullover, uh, a zip up, um, and so like harken back, everyone. 
uh, to that seminal moment when I received a pair of sweat shorts from Mac Weldon and the many uh, hours of discussion I uh, provided about those sweat shorts. I love my sweat shorts. I still love my sweat shorts. Uh, this zip up might be up there. Might nice. be up there with the Mack Weldon sweat shorts. Uh, very comfortable. Very, uh, you know, it's lightweight, but uh, I would say uh, very, very responsive to the uh, the high winds and chills of El Segundo, California. So, mm. uh, yeah, definitely high marks. High marks on the jockey uh, pullover zip up. Is that, so I don't. I have a just a zip up. It's not like a pullover. It's like a, sort of like a little jacket. And uh, I don't know what like, I'm calling it. It's a zip up. Sure. Yeah. I, I enjoy that one too. Do you, you have a black one? Yes, I do. So we got. The, I bet you got the same one. I do love it, and I have long arms, and it fits my arms, which is great. Sometimes you get like a jacket, and you're like, oh, it fits okay on the, you know, on you, but the arms aren't long enough. This is long enough for me. So yeah, I took it out golfing today too. So I was all jockeyed out today playing golf. That was nice. I would call you a jockey. Yeah. Uh, but thanks for that. We're gonna, you don't really we'll get... fit the size requirements for a jockey. No, <laughs> a little taller than that. So are you? You're a little taller than that. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not jockey sized. No. Um, all right, we got some stuff to get to. Uh, I, we got some spring practice updates. I asked all the publishers for some updates. We got so we got some. So we'll give you guys some updates from across the uh, the Pac-12 footprint. If we don't have an update on your team. Maybe you should, you know, what, what did Jim Rome used to say? He said, bang your monkey. You're supposed to like, you know, call into your, your local radio producer, call into your local publisher, tell, you know, ask them, Hey, why don't we get an update on what's going on with the team? So I did ask everybody and uh, we do have some, so we'll give you guys some spring football updates, but I guess maybe this is part of a spring fall update. There was apparently a homeless guy at USC's football practice or even on the campus for a couple of days, like hanging out. Hanging in the jacuzzi. That, that seems like a weird one, Dave. Yeah, I mean, where does it even rank, really, with what kind of things happen at USC, though? Oh, not not high. It, it doesn't. It's not even like I'm they haven't even released a statement about this because they're like, oh, this isn't even worth it. You know, we've had guys lie to the police and then break their ankles jumping out of a window like this is this is nothing. Um, So. Yeah, this whole story is bizarre. Um, apparently, some guy. I mean, it started off with a, a. It started off with a post on Scott Wolf's blog, which I barely credited as even being remotely true. But then it started to gain more traction. First, it was the guy showed up and just caught punts, which is somehow even more absurd. Like if he just like literally walked in, threw on a, a jersey, and was like, "I'm catching punts today." Funny, absurd. But it sounds like the more that comes out, he was hanging out for maybe a few hours, maybe a couple of days, got in a jacuzzi with some players, ate some meals in the dining hall, slept overnight, like did the whole thing and then went out and fielded punts, which is all, I mean, really it's just the dream come true for him. I'm sure, yeah. uh, you know, getting to practice with the team. Um, how the hell does that happen? Yeah, like at, that, at at that at that program, like how does not, that happen? I mean, if this was a normal time, how does that happen? Because to get into that facility, you do need like a thumbprint or whatever, like a fingerprint. Like it's not easy to get in. Whenever we have like a press conference in there, we have to wait for someone to let us in. I guess you could follow somebody, and maybe if you look the part that you you know, oh, you look like you should belong. Sometimes you just act like you belong, and and people won't question you. But during the pandemic, I mean, I went to couple of practices, you go on campus 
it's like you to get on campus, you have to like, you know, there's like your Trojan, you have to like basically log in on your phone, do some kind of wellness check thing, answer questions. They check your temperature. Like it's pretty regulated just to get onto campus. I'm not sure if it's like talking about like a homeless guy, how they would be able to do that. Maybe he has a cell phone or something and he, he, he figured out the law. I don't know, but it was very strange to be able to just for us to just get on campus and like check out practice. It's a lot more stringent than it was before. And so, but to get into the facility to hang out for like Dave said, hours or potentially days, that's a, that's a weird one. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very odd. Um, and we'll see if more comes out on that. Um, but, uh, yeah, just as the world turns with USC, USC football, but yeah, I'm thinking about it. And like, if a similar thing that tried to happen with one of like Chip Kelly's practices, like there's just, there's literally no conceivable way that would happen. Um, so yeah, I don't know, man. It's very strange. And uh, like, but what about you, the other players in the jacuzzi? Did they just not notice that he was not on the team? You would think like there's the players would be like, Hey, who's this guy? Like, you know, that, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I mean, maybe they're, they think there's a new walk on or something, but heck dude, I, I have no, no idea how something like that would happen. And like Dave said, USC hasn't said anything about it. You know, Scott Wolf used to cover the team. Now he's, he's not been around in a practice or a game for years, but you know, he's still active on his blog. Petros Papadakis and, and Matt Money Smith have him on their show to talk about USC sometimes. They're sort of like in lockstep, a lot of the stuff that they're reporting, and they both were reporting on this one. So who knows what's going on there? But there wasn't, yeah, no report at all um, from USC on this one. And it was a practice that I believe was a Thursday practice, which we are not uh, allowed to view. We can watch the Tuesdays and the Saturdays. So he picked the, if he did it that time, he, he picked the practice that the media wouldn't be at that could go like, who the heck is that number 87 or whatever number he was. Right. Right. All right. Um, we, okay. So I think we got to talk a little basketball. Um, Sean Miller gets canned by Arizona. I definitely want to get your thoughts, but I did ask you like losing for UCLA to lose like a heartbreaker. I thought in the championship game to Baylor versus like, getting blown out by Gonzaga. It didn't really happen that way. It was the the heartbreaker to Gonzaga that UCLA, I mean, you could argue outplayed uh, the Zags, Gonzaga, sorry, the Zags. Um, Gonzaga. You say, I should just keep saying Gonzaga. Yeah, yeah uh, no. don't, don't I mean, ever give in. Don't ever Bruins, give in to pronunciation fighters. Bruins played well, and the Zags, you know, just laid an egg in the championship game, so they didn't get their undefeated season, but they were able to knock out the last couple of Pac-12 teams in the tournament, did you have any, I mean, you, you were living and dying by the game. What did you have any thoughts on the whole game, Dave? Absolutely spectacular performance from the UCLA Bruins. Um, I thought it was their best played game of the year, probably against uh, Gonzaga. Um, didn't really, I, I mean, it was obviously a, a tough way to lose um, on the last second shot, but it was really like, I don't know if you go look at the game charts like that show you like the scoring margin throughout the game. It's the most even game you'll ever see. Like it starts at the beginning where they're like two points different and then it's just the same the entire way through. No team, neither team ever had, I think, more than a I think Gonzaga had a seven point lead at one point. That was the biggest lead for anybody. Um, But it was a really, really, really good game. Um, 
And then, I mean, the thing was, so UCLA probably had a chance to win it at the end of regulation. Uh, if Johnny Juzang jump stops and shoots it instead of uh, trying to draw a foul and he ends, ends up getting called for a charge and misses the shot anyway. Uh, UCLA wins that in regulation because that would have been with time expiring. Um, and then Baylor, uh, they looked really good against Gonzaga. Um, but I think Gonzaga also... Um, uh, I think a lot of the things that's a lot of the things that Baylor is good at um, expose some issues for Gonzaga, namely like just general um, high level athleticism at several spots, including at center. Um, maybe wouldn't have been quite as exposed against UCLA. Hard to say. Would have been an interesting game, but I think all things considered, it ended about as well as you could imagine for UCLA from like a brand and marketing perspective. Um, Obviously, winning the whole thing would have been better, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know if they were beating Baylor, um, but they've got a lot of juice coming out of that whole thing. Um, you know, talked about as the best game of the best game of the entire tournament, but probably the season. And then uh, Johnny Juzang got a bunch of hype. Mick Cronin got a bunch of hype. So uh, probably a very good thing for UCLA generally. And then a few days later. Uh, UCLA's chief rival in basketball in the Pac-12, Arizona, decided to fire the elite Sean Miller. I wouldn't say uh, the final Sean Miller, but certainly the elite eight Sean Miller, uh, who never never made a final four at Arizona. Yeah. But but he made three elite eights. Uh, he was fired after three eh, mediocre seasons and uh, getting his team uh, investigated by the FBI. Um, so that was, that was a big, uh, big week in Pac-12 basketball. It definitely was. And, uh, some of the local columnists, if you read, you know, what people were saying, um, certainly timing was strange. People felt like a couple years ago, this could have happened. And apparently from the reports that I've read, the boosters were a big part of this and they wanted him to stay. So he did. And, you know, then you have the season where you voluntarily uh, take off from the, you know, you, you make yourself ineligible for the tournament. The, you know, the, the sanctions from the NCAA weren't quite as harsh as they could have been. And then you still fire him. It's just the timing seemed very weird, David, when, when they fired him, like they should have either done it earlier, but if you waited this long, you're like, well, why don't you just keep him at this point? I, I, it was just kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, they, they definitely have, have, screwed up the timing. I think, um, I think they probably should have just done it at the, at the end of the regular season. That's a great reason to, you know, that's a great opportunity for it because you've, you've, uh, kept yourself out of the postseason, So you can literally do it before basically anybody else is doing it. Like they could have done it at the final game of the regular season. Cause they were ineligible even for the PAC 12 tournament. Um, so would have had a month jumpstart on this search. Um, yeah, I mean that would have been the argument even for this year. Um, but yeah, they could have they could have fired him two years ago, um, and they elected to not do it at that point. They wanted to kind of thumb their nose at the FBI and the NCAA investigation, um, and see uh, you know if they could win out on the merits. Um, and I, I think it's I don't know. Following the twists and turns of that thing, I I couldn't couldn't care less. Um, but, uh, I think that's still ongoing. Like, I think there's still pieces of that that haven't been resolved regardless. It doesn't, I mean, uh, end of the day, if, if Sean Miller had had 
an elite eight season last year, uh, he, he wouldn't be fired right now. It's yeah, there's a lot of pretext you can offer, but the main reason he got fired is because the last three years have been mediocre. Um, yeah. and this year, even if they had been eligible for the NCAA tournament, it's no guarantee they would have made it. Um, I think they probably would have, but it would have been as like a nine seed. Um, so it wasn't some great year that they um, were prevented from making a deep run. Uh, I think the the last three years for them, um, including last year, I mean, last year, again, they probably would have been like a middle seed if an NCAA tournament had happened. Um, far cry from where they were at the, uh, you know, the four or five year mark for him. Um, so I think it was, you know, it, it, I think it's pretty clearly been on a downturn. His recruiting base has generally gotten very... I don't know, transfer heavy, very international heavy. Um, I, I just don't think um, it was looking super sustainable going forward. So for them, I mean, it, it, for Arizona basketball, I probably would have made more sense to do this two years ago or a month ago. Um, right now is probably about the worst time to do it. But I don't really think it was super tenable to keep him for next year either. Um you, if you know a guy is not the guy, you don't want to keep him around to have a better year, which is what they were due for. You want to get rid of him so he doesn't get that bump up year so that you don't have to keep him for two years once you know he isn't the guy. And I think at this point it was getting kind of clear that he wasn't the guy. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things where do you have the guts to fire a guy when you should because of some kind of scandal or whatever? I think this is worse. I, I think this is the worst case scenario where did you want to fire him two years ago when the shit comes down? Okay, go cool. like give you props. Maybe you did it too. You know, maybe you shouldn't have, but you made a decision. You pulled the trigger. This is sort of like the half-assed way of like, wait for like a few bad seasons. And then, you know, you could have done it a couple of months ago. Like it just seems like such a wishy-washy way to do it. Well, and I'll say this, UCLA also screwed this up um, at the end of the Ben Howland era uh, because uh, Howland had that, if you remember, that awfully timed SI story came out um, about uh, Reeves Nelson, you know, pissing on his teammates' clothes and all that kind of crap. Um, and, you know, just this completely like had lost control of the personnel and his program, the whole deal. And UCLA elected to keep him for a final year, basically because he had a good recruiting class come in. Um, that was a, that was kind of a similarly missed opportunity. Like they probably could have gotten rid of Miller two years ago. Um, but I think, I don't know, uh, maybe boosters really liked him. Maybe there's a feeling within the program that he was the best they could do. Maybe it was a money issue. I don't know. Um, I think it was kind of all of the above. Um, but maybe they needed the clarity of the last couple of years of just being kind of mediocre to understand that the best days are definitely behind them. Um, I don't know. It might not be perfectly analogous, but that's kind of what sprang to mind is uh, the end of the Howland era at UCLA probably lasted at least a year longer than it should have. Um, and that ended with UCLA hiring Steve Alford. Um, it'd be really funny if Arizona hired Steve Alford. I think they should. Oh, we could do that. Okay, we're going to do something I don't think we've ever done before. Uh, we have Stanford Cardinal. Winning a national championship in women's hoops, beating Arizona Wildcats. By a point. Uh, I didn't get to watch any of this. Did you watch any? But congrats to Stanford on winning the national I, championship. I, 
I didn't. I didn't watch a bit. Um, but it sounds like it was a really good game. Um, and it sounds like the final four games were pretty good, too. Yeah. Um, but yes, congrats to Stanford. Uh, they pulled it off. Um, they've got quite a program up there, um, up in up in Palo Alto. Uh, but Arizona, yeah, I mean, and that was another thing with the the Miller firing is that there was some idea that maybe they would have fired him earlier, but they didn't want to take the shine away from their you know the deep run from the women's basketball team, which makes sense. Um, so, but yeah, very yeah, good run. Nice. I don't know if we've ever even mentioned. Women's basketball. On the, on no, the very sexist show here. It's very sexist, but yeah, it's great. We they've got the drop, so you know, that, you know, we give you guys drops, we give you guys props. Congrats to Stanford on winning the championship. It was an all Pac-12 final, which is great. Um, we got to talk a little spring football too. So I oh, I emailed, uh, and Dave's gonna love this. I emailed all the publishers. We got a response from maybe about half of them. So I'll give you guys the blurbs of what we got. Uh, Angie Machado, our good friend. Um, she was the first to respond. So for Oregon State, they just kicked off spring camp this past Tuesday. So a few days ago, we're recording. It's on a Friday. The big news so far is the media will be allowed to watch the weekday practices. Last year's starting quarterback, Tristan Jebbia, is not participating in spring, dr- in spring drills as he continues to rehab from surgery to repair a torn hamstring. Attrition has left the Beavers with three quarterbacks this spring, including true freshman uh, Sam Vidlak, who enrolled at OSU early. The priority for the Beavers this spring is to shore up the secondary, which has been has seen six players depart over the last six months. So yeah, that's not that's a lot of people to leave in the last six months in the secondary. Yeah, that's not great. Um and then um, you know, I've got reasonable confidence that Oregon State's just gonna reload Jonathan Smith. He's he's taken on all comers so far going to be great i feel it's like a steady progress program right that's i feel like that's what jonathan smith is doing like they you'd like to see a leap or a bound or two maybe we don't have those but you know they beat oregon last year i think they can they can win some games you know so we'll we'll see how losing six dudes from the secondary is not going to help that's That's probably not going to help no uh our buddy barry bolton uh, covering Washington State, he wrote in. He said, WSU is four days into spring ball, having just held its first full pad practice on Tuesday. Nick Rolovich has set a deliberate has set a deliberate pace so far this spring on offense, working on installs he wasn't able to do last year. I think that's a common theme. A lot of people didn't have spring. Quarterback battle between uh, Jarrett uh, Guarantanamo and uh, Cameron Cooper remains neck and neck. With returning starter Jaden Delora not yet participating, Rolovich has been pleased with the defense in the early going, saying the unit looks more cohesive with a more normal offseason, but with full contact having barely begun, the biggest storylines this spring have yet to be written. And for a program like Washington State, Dave, this is you have a whole new coaching staff. You needed spring football, so I get it. I think this is a great opportunity for them to sort of like install the culture that you wanted to, you didn't just have that opportunity in the off season last year. So good, you know, good on, uh, Nick Rolovich. I'm, I'm sure this is going to look more like the team he envisioned than uh, what you saw in 2020. Yeah, definitely a real possibility of that. Obviously you'd love to have uh, Jaden Delora, uh, taking snaps right now. Um, since I think that is his quarterback. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think for Rolovich for Durrell, um, 
it's going to be really important to have a full spring um, because, I mean, in season, I think, I don't even know how true it is for Rolovich, but for Durrell at Colorado, um, they were running a lot of stuff that I don't even know if he intends to run going forward. Um, but you kind of had to do what was already there. You retained a bunch of assistants that were already there. Um, so I'm interested to see what that kind of looks like too. But yeah, for Washington State, I'm sure it's equally important. For sure. Um, and it's, I, I mean, just talking, we talked to USC's defensive coordinator, Todd Orlando. He talked about it. You know, they were, it's a whole new defensive staff that USC had in 2020. And he said, like, we couldn't install, you know, the kind of culture that we wanted. It's hard to do that in the fall when you're getting ready for a game. That's really a good opportunity in the spring. So for both, uh, you know, for Colorado and Washington State, when you have, you know, new head coaches and they want to put, you know, just kind of put their stamp on the program, it's hard to do that with no spring football. So it's a great opportunity there. We got Chris Fetters uh, covered Washington wrote in. He said the biggest news came out of Washington. So Washington just started this week. So the biggest news that came out of Washington's first spring practice was that outside linebacker Leatu Latu has to retire due to a neck injury suffered last year. Uh, he's had surgery and he's going to stay with Washington as a student assistant until he gets his degree. Even though it's just one practice, it feels like Texas A&M transfer Jeremiah Martin has filled right in, at least in terms of body type. Both uh, around 6'5", 265 pounds. Washington's three other potential transfers, Colorado quarterback Patrick O'Brien, uh, Texas Tech wide receiver, uh, Jalen Polk and Oklahoma defensive back uh, Brendan Radley Hiles all participated Wednesday morning. Jimmy Lake also confirmed that two of the three players that opted out of the 2020 season, Isaiah Gilchrist and Jacob Kaiser, uh, moved on. So as a defensive back, Gilchrist and tight end uh, Kaiser. Receiver Taj Davis opted out in 2020, but he has returned. So one of the three came back. Arguably the biggest debut in recent memory took place Wednesday morning. Five-star Washington legacy quarterback Sam Heward took the field. He'll be competing with O'Brien and last year's starter Dylan Morris. And Lake stressed that a big feature of this spring is to really crank up on the number of reps, considering more than half the team has never been through a single spring practice until this week. Many of the 11-on-11 periods, they had two groups basically going back-to-back headed towards uh, each end zone to maximize the number of turns for everyone. So that's the Washington update. Doesn't every team do that in practice? Aren't they always doing two sections of 11 on 11? Uh, not always. I mean, you, a lot of times USC is only doing one, but. Uh, well, USC doesn't practice well, but like, I mean, programs <laughs> that practice well. Good practicing programs probably do. I don't know. Uh, remembering back to Moore's practices and then Kelly's, I mean, I think they were all, you know, when you've got the 11 on 11 period, you generally are, especially in spring, you're running two sets of it. Yeah. Uh, it, I, I think that helps. If you have the numbers too, sometimes programs in the spring don't, don't have the numbers. This is a spring where a lot of seniors are back because of the, you know, the, the off year, the year that the NCAA gives you everyone back. So I think the numbers are going to be up for everybody this spring, just because there's going to be more guys, on the roster hanging than around. normally would be. Yeah. yeah. Just hanging around. If you're not going to go to the NFL, like, yeah, I'll play another year of college football. Why not? Yeah. Uh, our buddy Adam Munster Tiger covering Colorado. He said the Buffaloes have conducted four spring practices with a scrimmage on tap for today, Friday afternoon. So last year, starting quarterback Sam Neuer is out this spring after undergoing offseason surgery on his throwing shoulder, giving freshman uh, 
Brendan Lewis and Tennessee transfer JT Shrout an opportunity to rotate in with the first team offense. Lewis has shown flashes of potential while engineering seven of the Buffalo's offensive possessions against Texas in the Alamo bowl. And he was, and he's taken a big jump forward. According to head coach, Carl Durrell defensively, Colorado's players are learning new terminology with Chris Wilson taking over as the new coordinator, replacing uh, Tyson Summers who served in the role the previous two years. Chris Wilson, that was he was uh, USC's defensive line coach a while back. Caleb um, Wilson's dad, correct? Yes, I believe so. As long as the same one, I believe it's the same one. Uh, really cool dude. So I, I, didn't, I didn't even realize he had taken over as the defensive coordinator. So cool. I don't love... Um, so it's always true that the guys are learning new terminology um, when they get a new coach. I never love when that becomes a talking point. I feel like it's 90% of the time that's an actual talking point, like something some guy says. Um, it usually ends up with a disaster. So I'm really crossing my fingers that it's not going to be a disaster. But like whenever they're talking about, yeah, we're learning all kinds of new language and it's really cool or whatever, it usually just means, yeah, I'm super confused about what's going on. Yeah. Um, the last update we have, I'll, I'll give you a quick USC one, but we have a UCLA one. Do you want me to read what Tracy said, or do you just want to tell us? I'd, I'd love to read okay. it. Tracy says UCLA hasn't started spring practices yet. And it's tentatively s- slated to begin the last week in April, which seems kind of far, uh, since UCLA is on the quarter system, it allows for the opportunity of bringing in more early entrants and transfers than semester school, since it can roll players in the spring quarter. There will be a total of 11 new faces participating for the first time in a Bruin uniform, six early entrants from the high school's uh, 2021 class, and five transfers. Most eyes will be on senior-to-be quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who showed some refinement and overall improvement in the shortened 2020 season. If the Bruins are to finally get over the hump and post Chip Kelly's first winning season after four years at UCLA, Thompson-Robinson taking his game to the next level is key. Love it. Um, I've got an interesting idea, right? Okay. So what if, just hear me out here, what if an ASU player was really cheesed off with the spring practice experience, right, at ASU, which is done now with spring practice, correct? They're done. Now, what if that player decided, screw this, I'm transferring out, right? And he decided to enroll at UCLA. Would he, first, be able to do that? Second, would he be able to participate in a second set of 15 spring practices? I put the question to you, Ryan. That's a very good question. So the, there's windows of enrollment. And like Tracy said in there, being on the semester system, like for, so USC was on the market for a left tackle from the transfer portal. But they sort of missed their window. They, they had fired their offensive line coach. They brought in a new offensive line coach, but they didn't get someone. Now they kind of have to wait till the next enrollment cycle. But for UCLA, that hasn't happened yet. You could get somebody in for the spring. Um, I'm not sure if you're in the middle of a semester at Arizona State, could you transfer out and start a new one at UCLA? I don't think there's any restrictions on it's. I think it's mostly academics. I don't think there's because, well, you already practiced at Arizona State, you can't practice at UCLA. But he could... I mean, if that works, he could get 30 spring practices. That, that would be interesting. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I was expecting you to have this completely checked out because you are uh, the spring practice expert on the show. <laughs> and there are these enrollment windows, but I don't know. I think he could come to UCLA. I don't know if he could. Could he leave Arizona State? I'm not sure. That's a great. I see. This is what I'm asking you. 
yeah. you know what? It, it might be tough. But when does their uh, spring semester start? You know, some some of these schools, it's like weird. It starts at like the end of January, early February. Are they so many weeks into the session now that it can't depart? I don't know. Yeah. And what if it was a quarter so, system? What, Could, exactly. What if they were a quarter system? How would that, that happens things? in like basketball, right? Or even I, th- I remember there was like a UCLA softball pitcher that like transferred in and like never went to class, like won a championship or something. And like, ne- like school never started. They just left. Or something. Yeah, no. Like, so this is the theory. So say it's a school on the quarter system, too. What are the other ones on the quarter system? Stanford? Is that another quarter one? I, I think Stanford's on a quarter system. I think so. Okay. Whatever. For the sake of argument, it's Stanford. So Stanford guy, they they practice, they do their spring practice early. And they and he's like, screw this. I want to go to an institution that's even better academically. I'm gonna to go to UCLA. It's not true. Don't worry about it. Uh and then he transfers in. Is that possible? Can he get 30 spring practices? This is what we want to know here. Yeah. Well, that's that. We'll 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 put it out. No, there. I'm putting it to the to the listeners. Yeah, that's this is this is our research department. Shane, if they get on it, yeah, Andrew, Shane, get on there. We're looking at you, Shane. We want a snarky response from you. Yeah. Um, nice. Okay. Uh, well, thanks, Tracy, for that. Real quick on USC, they've had four. Well, actually, now it's five because one of them we couldn't watch. Four, uh, five spring practices, and two of them were in full pads. They actually were. Hitting out there, they ran like an Oklahoma drill, but they were calling it a Trojan drill. We got to see one in the Coliseum, which was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, they I think in general, they got a bunch of new faces. Uh, they had, I think, 14 new people. There was like five transfers and nine uh, early enrollees, I believe, is, is the right numbers. And, you know, Keen Slovis has looked better. Uh, I think just seeing the defense having a, an offseason to kind of get ready They'll probably be a little bit better, that whole defensive staff. They did bring in a new offensive line coach. Hard to tell early on. Um, they thought was you might move somebody to left tackle, but it looks like they're going to keep the rest of their line intact and then play one of the freshmen or whatever you want to call them, like second-year freshmen or you know the people that you know did, they, they was, eligibility doesn't count. Um, they're going to probably put somebody new out there. Cortland Ford was a guy that was starting at first. But, yeah, so far, I think it's been fairly positive. They have a new strength and conditioning coach. So doing some new things with, uh, you know, getting warmed up and stuff. But, you know, in general, it was it was pretty good. It definitely looks more physical than what we've seen uh, in the past. So a lot, of, a lot of SC fans getting on Clay Helton for having, like, soft practices. But I think they have other assistants now that are kind of pushing to have uh, a tougher practices. And, frankly, that's just totally unfair. I mean, how many years – look, think about how tough that program has had it in the years <laughs> post-Carroll, um, the softening of the USC brand. And, I mean, it takes – I mean, I, I wouldn't be shocked if it takes 10 years to toughen them up again, uh, to make that program, uh, you know, have a, have a culture of toughness. And I, I think Clay Helton's just getting started. Um, so you, you love to hear it that they're, uh, they're toughening up practices. I wouldn't go too hard at this point because he's still in the early days of changing the culture, uh, over at USC. Um, so I think the important thing for USC fans is to remain patient, um, and to understand that it's a process and, um, you know, uh, that he's got all the tools he needs to succeed, but it's gonna, it's gonna take some time. You know, if, look, if they're five and seven this year, I think that's a big step up. Um, and then the big question after that is get to bowl eligibility. And then, uh, you know, after that, who knows? 
but yeah, I think I think at least probably three years away from real national contention. Yeah, uh, you know, well said, David. Very 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 good with that. Um, that's all the only updates we have. I don't. I think did both Arizona schools Arizona State finish for sure. I think Arizona might have as well. They're either they either just finished or they're still in it. Um, yeah, um, I know Shear was having to split time between covering this wild coaching search and then going to practice. Yeah, so we'll we'll try to get you guys some updates from the schools that we didn't hear from yet. Uh, on what's going on because we know you love spring football, and I think that's about it. Any other news stuff before we uh, go to questions? No, God no. God, no. And I, I can't talk even a second more about spring practice. Uh, All right. So well, let, let's, let's take a quick break and be right back. Answer some questions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right. We're back here on the podcast of champions. Um, let's see. Do you, what question first? Is it uh, Evan? Is that the first one we got? Well, first I'd like to bring up that uh, Dave Chartable uh, let us know that uh, the podcast of champions is now ranked 197th on the Apple podcast football chart in Japan. That's pretty exciting news for us. Yeah. Do you have a drop that you can play right now? Uh, we can do... Cheering? <laughs> How are we... like? We're not better than that in Japan? Come on. I, I thought we were always very big in Japan, uh, but apparently not. Uh, apparently, we are 197th on the Apple Podcast football chart. Now, the the question I have for Dave at Chartable uh, is... Uh, does football include American football and um, what is commonly referred to as football internationally, or is it just American football? Because yeah. if it's just American football, that's absolutely pathetic. If we're also being thrown in there with like, you know, the soccer pods and stuff like that, that I'm sure are popping up internationally. That's fine. Okay, fine. American football is not an international game. I get it. Uh, but if it's 197th, if it is 197th out of, American football podcasts. I, I don't know if there are 50 American football podcasts. If we are 197th, uh, we should probably just pack it up. Yikes. Yeah, that's not so good. Yeah. Um, but we'll try to do better. Yeah. Thanks for that email. Uh, do you want me to read the first one? You get it or what do you want to do? I'll get it. It's fine. Okay. The best March Madness commercial you forgot to mention. This is from Evan. 
French vanilla, Rocky Road, chocolate peanut butter cookie dough. Scoop, there it is. Scoop, there it is. <laughs> How you neglected to mention this brilliant ad in your conversation about TV spots is almost as bad as when a few podcasts ago, Ryan thought Park City was in Colorado and then couldn't think of a single actual Colorado ski resort. Aspen, Breckenridge, Vail, to name three easy ones. Get it together, fellas. P.S. Sprinkles. Um, nice. Uh, so I will say this. I I knew Aspen, and I knew Vail. What in the Sam hell is Breckenridge? I've heard of Breckenridge. Uh, You've heard of Breckenridge? Yeah. Okay. I'm not a skier, though. I don't know. Like, I don't want to. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm I'm not in any way a skier. I, I went skiing one one time when I was 13 years old. Yeah. Um, and my um, it was a combination effect. First, I wasn't very good at it, and second, um, I can get very frustrated. Um, and so at one point, I fell for like the fourth time going down a hill. And I took everything and just threw it as far as I could down the hill. Like the skis, the poles, the like goggles, the whole thing. Just threw it all. So pissed off. Um, I could see that. So that's my skiing story. Was there a snow in your beard when you fell? I was 13. I, I want to say the beard was in its uh, nascent stages. Um, <laughs> was probably close to non-existent at that point. Uh, it didn't really start coming in uh, in any kind of significant way until I was 15. So it was it was a clean-shaven, uh, very angry 13-year-old um, throwing throwing all the ski gear down a hill. I would love my, to see my, my brother was laughing his ass off. Yeah, I think I feel like I would be too. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I think I've skied once in my life too. So not really my thing. But uh, yeah. For the, for the mountain schools, that's like sacrilege. But and I don't want to voluntarily go to snow. I'd rather go to the beach. I'd rather get on the the, uh, the water. I don't I don't mind the snow. It's fine. Um, I've never been a big fan of um, never a big fan of like roller skating, roller blading. I, I don't really like being like having to like do stuff on wheels or on like things yes. that are slide. I just I want to walk or run. That's fine. Yeah, that's cool. I don't need to like have it be faster or anything than that that's totally fine i'm the same way i like strapping crap to my feet does not work well like, oh dude my... what uh, ice skating uh i did that like for the first time when i was like 27 fell so fucking hard and i was just like no why why would i ever want to learn to do this no just don't have it i don't have it in me no yeah no circumstances am i doing that again you do in high school, you fall in front of a girl on purpose to kind of flirt with her. Like, let that, you know, you're 27. You're like, I don't want to do this. That's, I, no, I'm going to fall hurts. too far. Yeah. Yeah. It was getting to the point where it, like, it, do, it doesn't, like, you know, when you fall down when you're, like, young, it's like, oh, whatever. No big deal. You start getting into your, like, late 20s. It's like, no, that hurts. I don't want to do that again. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. You're just all wiry and, like, you can bounce when you're a little kid. And, yeah. No, you got, or, like, when you're really little, you got, like, the baby fat that just protects you from everything. Mm. No. I'm way too tall now. I do not want to fall. I'm going to hurt something badly. Yeah. Uh, all right. This is Kian, I believe, uh, wrote in. He's a Bruin fan. He says, hi, fellas. Keon, Keon, how are you going Kian here? What sound does it make? K-I-A-N. Where's the O? Where, what the sound o? does A make? Huh? What sound does A make? Ah. Uh, the letter A. Right. Keon. You're not saying ah, you're saying ah. <laughs> okay. Key on. Key on. 
I'll go, we'll go, we'll go Keon, but uh, I'll just. You went Keon. When does A make an A sound? Sometimes. Look, I'm going to fight you. Anyway, get to his email. Hey, fellas. Happy spring. It's the off season. So please entertain my silly scenarios. Of course. Keon. Uh, For each (laughs) pairing, choose which would happen first. If you think neither would ever happen, pick one anyway. All right. So he's given us a. scenarios here so first scenario ucla basketball wins a national championship usc football wins a national championship it's ucla come on i think it's usc clay's got so many he's got so many challenges in front of him and clearly he's going to be the coach there for a long long time um and it's going to take a lot of work to get that program back to prominence so I just don't see it. Uh, it's it's UCLA basketball. They were so two games is, away from doing it this year. They were, but you feel like that was sort of like, is that going to be like the high watermark for Mick Cronin? Even though they're their gonna team's going to get better gonna, and all that. They're going to they return gonna, almost literally everyone next year. Uh, yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. Um, so this <clears> is more <throat> about will Cronin win or will USC's next head coach win? But you're talking I'm gonna about go the football. head coach in 12 years. I'm going to say football. I mean, so the problem is you could be the best team in the country in basketball and still not win. If USC somehow gets the best team in football, they'll probably win. But basketball is just tough. Um, yeah, it's definitely likely that USC ends up with the best team in football with Alabama existing. I think that's yeah. right. Well, you got to win like one upset game where like basketball, like you got to not get upset like four or five times and then maybe upset a team once or twice. All right. UCLA football wins a national championship. USC basketball wins a national championship. Oh, wow. I think it has to be USC. I mean, they were in the elite eight this year. So like UCLA football hasn't had a winning record. Um, It's tough. I mean, first the, the real answer is neither like neither is ever. To, he says uh, you have to pick one. Uh, man. The thing is, for USC to win a national championship in basketball, it probably does require a new coach at some point. And I don't think they're anywhere close to firing Enfield, right? Sure. So UCLA football, obviously, they're not winning anything with Trip Kelly. I don't know. They're so similarly situated. Um, mm, I'm going to go USC basketball. But only because you could just kind of catch lightning in a bottle and USC can recruit, um, you know, decently well. Basketball, it's easier to catch lightning in a bottle because 64 teams make the tournament. Uh, UCLA football would have to make a college football playoff. Um, See, I'll go USC basketball there, too. UCLA football would have to win an out-of-conference game first, right? Like, that would be... (laughs) Hey, look, it might happen this year. Who knows? (laughs) I think it will. Uh, in two, three years, if UCLA gets a new coach and they're like, that, that could easily be closer to the winning a championship. But right now, just even, dude, they haven't even won a Rose Bowl since 1986. Like, let's yeah. not let's not get silly here. I don't think okay. USC basketball is close to winning. But the fact that they were in the Elite Eight, at least you were like sniffing it, you know? Yeah. Um, this is a good one. An Arizona State player wins the Heisman or a defensive player wins the Heisman. Ooh, they're always flirting with giving it to a defensive player, and then they almost never do. Yes. An ASU player, it's just a matter of um, 
it's it's literally just a matter of winning 10 games with a really good quarterback, which they might do in the next two years with yeah. Jaden Daniels. I'm going to go so I'll go ASU. Yeah, me too. Like, you get like a Jake Plummer kind of thing going on, and it's like, you know, electrifies everybody. Maybe he wins the Heisman. Yeah. Uh, Washington wins the national championship, or Washington State wins the Pac-12 championship and the Rose Bowl in the same season. Damn. That's tough. That is tough. Um, I think so, I'm going to go Washington State because that's a much, I mean. It's much Pac-12 more achievable. Just, yeah. You could, so much you more could win the Pac-12 championship going like six and three in conference. And yeah. then you could win a Rose Bowl just like against Iowa. I always yeah. pick Iowa. Iowa's trash. <laughs> um, but, but like Ohio like, State wins and then they go to the playoff and then you play yeah. Iowa or Illinois or somebody in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, I think that's way more achievable. Totally. Um, and that's not to say Washington is not going to be very good going forward. It's just winning a national championship is very hard. Even when you make the playoff, you know, you're matched up against Alabama suddenly and you're going to be at a major talent disadvantage. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is a good one, too. Cal or Stanford play the big game. He says, yes, the big game. Both <laughs> ranked in the top 10. It's just big game, by the way, Keon. No, no, no. It's uh, actually the big game. It's it's just big game. I'm just No, no. To- we use articles down here. <laughs> Colorado or Utah get ranked number one. Ooh. So Utah, what did they had? They were top five at one point uh, a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, Jesus. Could Whittingham have another really, really good team before he retires? I think so. That's the real question here. Because I think, so Cal, like, when are they getting in the top 10? Like, it's like another whole cycle after this one. Like, they need a new quarterback situation. They need to revamp that defense again. Stanford, they could get back there. I think it's probably going to be next coach um, who has the potential to do it. But I think the, the horizon for top 10 Cal, Stanford, like, potentially happening is at least six, seven years away. Could Utah get ranked number one before that is the real question. Mm. I'm going Cal Stanford. Uh, I think Utah could catch lightning in a bottle and have a freaking amazing team and still not get ranked number one. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were really, really good and they were like ranked number five, I think. Um, so yeah, I'll go with Cal Stanford too. Which you kind of need both Cal and Stanford to catch lightning in the bottle, but both those teams being ranked in the top 10, I think are more likely than Utah or Colorado getting number one. Cause you could be, have the best freaking team on the West coast, the best team possible. You would need like Alabama, Ohio state Clemson, like to lose. Cause you're not, if everyone looks at Utah and go, damn, they are good. They're not going to be, they'll be like number four. Good. They're not going to be like, Oh, we're going to bump them above Alabama. Right. Uh, they would have to do that two years in a row. Like they would have to like make the playoff and then look really freaking good. And then maybe they would get ranked that high. But I, I just feel like that's pretty tough to do. Not that Cal and Stanford both, you know, playing in big game in the top 10 is, is very likely, but I'm, I'm going to go that a little bit more likely. Yeah. And the last one, he said, choose from three possibilities. Arizona wins a PAC 12 championship. Never happened. Right. Uh, Oregon mm-hmm. state wins a PAC 12 championship. And a team not current in the Pac-12 wins a Pac-12 championship. 
Okay, so just giving you the numbers. Uh, Arizona last won the conference in 1993. Oh, they, they did. Last won- oh, they did. Yeah, I think so. Is that they were? Yeah, they were Pac-12 then. Oh, they haven't made the Rose Bowl though, right? It wasn't like. So I thought Arizona never played in a Rose Bowl. Was I wrong? I don't know, man. Here, let me look. No, they played in the Fiesta Bowl that year. Okay. Against Miami. Um, so yeah, they they won the conference in 1993. They tied with UCLA. So UCLA made the Rose Bowl. Um, but still, it counts as a conference title in the record books. And then they last won the division in 2014, uh, their only division title. Oregon State last won the conference in 2000. Um, I believe that was Dennis Erickson, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. That was also a Fiesta Bowl year. Yeah. So, okay. Or a brand new team comes in and wins the Pac-12 championship. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Um, so Arizona has the theoretical, I would say, even still easier path, maybe. Though I think the South was up last year relative to the North. Um, Oregon State, though, probably has the better, more proven coach right now. Um but Jed Fish, who knows? I'm going to go Arizona. Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm going, I'm going to choose between the other two. <laughs> uh, Arizona's on a 12 game losing streak. If you didn't know that, David. Um, I believe so, in Jed the Fish. Jed the Fish. So what if some crazy in the next, I, I, I don't think this is going to happen. Oregon State or Arizona is going to win the next few years. I could definitely see some kind of conference realignment happening. Happening, And what if like a Texas or something is in the Pac-12 and they win the, the Pac-12 championship or Oklahoma or something like that? So I'm going to go a team currently not in the Pac-12. I'm going Jesus, to pick that. What a dark commentary that is. <laughs> it's kind of scary, huh? Yeah, it really well, is. Especially because you said it wasn't going to happen. So I'm like, eh, maybe yeah, it would. Yeah, no, and I am, I am the most automatic thing in sports. <laughs> All right. All right. You didn't give it the thanks and go Bruins. Though. Oh, I'm sorry. Thanks and go Bruins from Keon. My bad. Yeah, I was waiting for that. Uh, Frank in Sacramento, uh, subject line, tell Dave. Um, he knows we alternate reading these, and it's just happenstance whether I read it or you do, right? I, I think Frank knows. I think Frank knows. Ryan, tell Dave that Baylor owes UCLA a piece of that trophy. The Bruins drained the energy out of Gonzaga. Gonzaga. Uh, also mention that I have read the book The Wealthy Barber and the Richest Man in Babylon. I am a committed liberal who has voted blue since McGovern ran in 72. Like George Orwell said in 1984, the best books are the ones which tell you what you already know. Huh. I think he was... He was being ironic. Was there some irony there? Yeah, I don't think he meant it. Um, Um, Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks, Frank. Uh, We have, oh, crap. We have some voicemails. Let me, do you want to read the next one? I'm going to download. I'll read the next one and you handle that voicemail. This is from Hithliday. I realize it was all a gambit. Oh, sorry. By Ryan to make no, I'm not from Hithliday. No, oh, okay. I got. We have two voicemails. I didn't even realize that. So that's the kind of prep we do for the show. We realize that there's voicemails as we're reading the questions. So loosely strung, the jewel of good deed. 
Last week, I asked if the pandemic made any schools more or less attractive to recruits in the 2021 cycle. David answered succinctly that it did not. Ryan's answer was just as coherent and thoughtful as I expect from him with one idea I hadn't considered, that COVID's effects would play out more in the 2022 cycle. Every year, Pac-12 fan bases race to convince themselves that their mid-three-star commitments are actually underrated gems and that their own coaching staffs more properly evaluate their diamonds in the rough than the biased East Coast media. Naturally, this earns a lot of eye-rolling. But given high school football was a lot more restricted last season on the West Coast than elsewhere, and there have been far fewer events for scouting services to attend, do you boys think think it's possible that it might really be true for this cycle? I suspect the ratings for 2022 prospects will be more volatile than in other years. Is it possible that there will be a regional effect as well, and that Pac-12 coaches are offering modestly rated West Coast players now who might shoot up the rankings later far more than usual? Or is this just another year of everyone fooling themselves? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, well, first of all, Hitler actually gave me a compliment, which is crazy. I don't know if it was snarky or not, though. I I think it, I don't think it was snarky. Mm. I, I mean, really, will play out more in 2022. That was my actual thought, and I think that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is, when you're, any kind of recruiting rankings, it's always about, how are you able to judge some player from Tuscaloosa and a dude from Seattle and someone from uh, Lincoln, Nebraska? And it's just tough. And then when you're talking about, well, these guys didn't play any high school football this year or they played in the spring, we're getting some spring football now. And I feel like seeing actual games for teams like in California and anyone else that's playing in the spring, you're going to get a little bit of a boost because you get to see what they look like now. Now, some of the guys you just felt were going to be good and they'll reaffirm that other guys, you know, might get on your radar that you didn't even think about before that. That was really the opportunity that was missed. Some of those guys that were maybe had the group of five offer and they didn't get a power five offer and they just never would because they never played football. Well, now they're playing in the spring. Is there an opportunity there? And then you come back and see a bunch of guys uh, playing again in the fall. <sighs> I, I think the ratings for 2022 is is potentially more volatile. I do because there's going to be some different data points. It's not, you know, it's it's just like the the NFL Combine. They're not going to have their their you know the way they would time all those guys, and it, you might not even use the electronic time. If you're a scout and you've sat in Indianapolis for the last 30 years, timing dudes, and you can compare them to whatever your watch says, that's one thing as opposed to now you're going to listen to what someone else says at, at all these different pro days where some of them are like 39 yard dashes and things like that. I think it's just tough. I feel like th- there's going to be so many more variables for this 2022 cycle that it will be more volatile. So I, I think, I think what Hitler say, what Hitler is saying is true. Yeah. I would say there's going to be more volatility both ways. Um, I think, uh, I'm sure there's some guys who are highly rated that they weren't able to see um, who might not even be, you know, uh, great prospects right now, Um, either because, you know, just natural way bodies go. Some guys just thicken up and don't look quite as athletic. And also the pandemic itself might have affected a lot of these kids, Um, you know, not being able to work out with their teams or whatever and all that kind of crap. So. Uh, yeah, I think that's totally right. There will probably be more volatility. Um, well, 
I don't know if volatility is the right word. Um, I don't know how much it's going to affect how they're ranking guys. Um, I don't know if it's going to change the process that much for, I mean, I, I think there's fewer opportunities, but I don't know if it's going to lead to like them just making drastic changes in the rankings. Um, speaking of like Brandon and Greg and everybody. Uh, but what it might lead to is um, uh, higher variability in the outcome, um, you know, relative to their ranking. You know, once these guys are in school, um, you know, how they actually perform, you know, you might see this crop of whatever three stars um, slightly outperform two years ago's crop of three stars in their eventual NFL draft status, like that sort of thing, um, just because there won't have been enough evaluation opportunities to properly get a beat on them. Uh, but I don't I don't know if that's necessarily ranking volatility. That's just more variability of outcome. Um so, yeah, I mean, I, and as far as a regional effect, I think the regional effect would be more that the guys in the West um, truly haven't had um, as many opportunities to be evaluated. So I think even more than nationally, that effect of, of variability and outcome, I think it might be more pronounced among the West Coast players where you might see some three stars and who never have their ranking adjusted because there's still not going to be nearly as many opportunities as there were um, for their predecessors uh, to get noticed um, who eventually end up being, you know, NFL all pro type guys um, for, you know, whatever reason. Um, so, yeah, I would just say higher variability of outcome. I don't know necessarily that there's going to be significant volatility in the rankings themselves. Yeah. I So I've been to two high school games so far this spring uh, both at St. John Bosco, and they pretty much trucked uh, both teams. That's the other thing, too, is, you know, you're playing a limited spring schedule. Been a lot of lopsided games. I, I'm not sure how much you can get out of that. You know, we'll see. But there's, it's, the guys that everyone knows, you know, if you're Corey Foreman or Justin Flo or someone, you know, you're this five-star guy that everybody knows, and, you you know, that, that doesn't change very much. Like USC got a quarterback late Jackson dart from Utah and just wasn't that well known going into the season, but Utah played high school football. He blew up and especially with, with California not playing, he got a lot of notoriety, got more scholarship offers and ends up, you know, going to USC and you look at him in spring practice and he looks like a dude. And I, you know, if, if he lived in California, he wouldn't, be at USC right now. And I, this, I feel you feel bad because there's so many guys that are kind of like that. For 2022, do you get a little bit more of that where they did get to play a spring season? And maybe there's, you know, some three-star guys that you didn't really know about, but like, man, that guy played great, but it's only six games. And what was the competition like? And were there blowouts and, you know, where his team won or his team lost? Yeah, it's, uh, I, I like it because you will get some more information, but I, I, I just think there's going to be, Everyone's doing everything differently for this class. You could do some of the same stuff similar for 2021. I think for 2022, you have to kind of rip up your playbook and just do everything differently. That's why I think the volatility might be a little higher. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, we got, uh, those are all the emails. We do have two voicemails and I got them in the queue. Obviously I have no idea what they're on because we just downloaded them and uh, put them on my iPad. But here we go with the first one. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Perk. Uh, my question this week is for uh, for Dave. Um, at the beginning of the NCAA tournament, there's a lot of talk with Duke not making it and thus talking about Coach K and a lot of people talking about who he's the greatest basketball coach of all time. I was wondering how much that annoys Dave and, and other UCLA fans, if at all. 
um, that they just gloss over John Wooden. Um, whenever I mention to people that John Wooden's the greatest head coach of all time, people always say, well, um, you know, that he won all those titles with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Bill Walton as if they actually did win all those titles with him um, and gloss over the fact that Coach K was the head coach of Kyrie Irving, Brandon Ingram, Jason Tatum, Zion Williamson, and didn't make a Final Four with any of those guys. Um, and another thing that people always dismiss is that, you know, this will never be done or what John wouldn't accomplish will never be done again. And, uh, you know, I know I ask you guys a lot of stupid questions, but isn't doing something that will never be done again a pretty fair benchmark for greatness? Um, just want to see what your thoughts were on that, Dave. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, Perk. Um, and no, you never ask stupid questions. We love your questions. Um, so the the way I kind of put it in my brain, just to make it all seem a little bit saner, is um, uh, Coach K is probably the best coach of the modern era, um, which is basically what I would say is 1985 and beyond um when the tournament expanded to 64 teams um john wooden is the best overall obviously i mean 11 national titles an unprecedented run of dominance but if you look at i mean i think coach k has totally lost his fastball and i think it was a big misstep for him to go the same uh one and done route as kentucky did um but if you go look at what he did from like i don't know 1987 to 1993 that's ridiculous. Like he made like six straight final fours, I think at one point, which for, for what it is, that's, that's, that's a mark that's probably never going to be topped in the modern era. Um, so I don't want to diminish, uh, what he did either. Um, but there's nothing that compares to 10, 10 titles in 12 years. And what people don't get is obviously that Kareem and, and Walton were there for, I think five of them. Uh, the other 10 were with guys like Gail Goodrich, um, you know, Sidney Wicks, like dudes who were not, you know, NBA top five guys of all time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, um, having the kind of program that basically makes it so that Bill Walton is just like, oh, yeah, I'm going there no matter what. Um, that's a that's a testament to the reign of dominance itself. Um, and I think um, it kind of gets lost because of um, just uh i think the time since then but the way wooden was dominant at ucla fundamentally changed the school like it was a big part of turning ucla into this big national and international brand um it improved the school it got a ton of people interested nationally um in this you know what was till then mostly a a, you know a, a very good but regional california school um, and got a lot more donations, a lot more attention for the school, a lot more applications. Like it was a huge deal. People became fans of UCLA basketball who had no connection to the school whatsoever um, across the country. Um, so it was it was formative for the school too. So I think you know Wooden's overall effect on the game, on um, college basketball, but also on the university itself is uh, incredibly profound. Um, the stuff about Coach K recently, though, I, I tend to agree with. I think uh, it was probably a misstep for him to continue on that path. I think North Carolina handled um, the modern era a lot better, uh, the very modern era of one and dones and all that kind of crap, um, where Roy Williams has generally done the sprinkling in uh, approach where you maybe get one or two of those guys, uh, but mostly you're building your program around three and four-year players. 
Um, Kay didn't really do that nearly as much, and I think it's been a mistake. I think it actually has ended up being a mistake for Kentucky, too. Um, John Calipari has not been able to sustain success doing that. Um, you know, I think the one-and-done era has been pretty bad for the quality of top-tier uh, college basketball, but it's been pretty bad, I think, at the end of the day, for the top-tier programs. Um, I don't think, you know, if you look at what Duke's done in the last 10 years— um, you know, I think they've won one title, and I don't mean to completely diminish it, but um, it's not been the same run of dominance that Kay had in the 90s or 2000s. Um, and Kentucky's fallen off quite a bit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think uh, obviously it's dumb. Uh, Wooden is the best of all time, but I don't fault people for, you know, having more of a modern sense of the thing. And Kay, since nine, 1985, is, is certainly the best. All righty, we got one last voicemail. Probably won't talk basketball for a while. What do you think? Um, <laughs> maybe there's basketball in this voicemail too. I don't know, but we've we've talked a lot of hoops the last month or so. We certainly uh, have, which is not like us, but uh, we'll do. It. Okay, last voicemail for you guys. Hey guys, this is Evan from Tempe. Uh, I just had a question about recruiting. Uh, Basically trying to figure out who you think uh, would be better moving forward, uh, Dante Williams or Chris Hawkins as a recruiter. So if you had your staff basically set, if you were a, you know, a head coach, and you had basically your entire defensive coaching staff set, so you didn't have to worry about Chris Hawkins or Dante Williams as position coaches, and you just needed to hire one guy to help on the recruiting staff, who would you hire, Chris Hawkins or Dante Williams? You know, would you want Hawkins because he's younger? Uh, or would you want Dante Williams because he's more kind of proven as a recruiter? So just want to know what your thoughts are on that. I know they're obviously both great recruiters. So thank you guys. Thanks, Evan. Um, I, I mean, I'll jump on this since they're both like USC dudes right now. But yeah, I mean, Dante Williams is a proven recruiter. He's been Pac-12 recruiter of the year uh, in the last couple of years. I think you still have to go with him, but you love what you've seen from a young Chris Hawkins. I think he was in the top five or something as far as Pac-12 recruiters go. I mean, it helps. He kind of grew up on the seven-on-seven circuit. His dad running ground zero. You know, his brother played college football. Was always a very personable guy. And that, you know, part of the recruiting, you know, you could be a, a good player. He was a, you know, a decent college player, but was always a great interview. Always great to talk to. Super personable. And I feel like that's translated well. He learned a lot on the, you know, about the recruiting trail and, and just being around the ground zero guys. And I think it was a great opportunity for him to become a full-time assistant coach at Arizona state. He had a great staff around him. You got a, a, a men, you know, amazing leader in Herm Edwards. I think it was a perfect scenario for him. He's going to be, you know, one of the top recruiters, I think in the PAC 12 for years to come, but I would still go Dante Williams at this point, but love what you see from Chris Hawkins. I think Arizona state's got a good one. Beautiful stuff. Do you, do you agree? Disagree or. Uh, yeah. Don't I'd care. go with Dante Williams. Yeah. Um, it's tough. I mean, if, if, if Dante Williams was like 70 years old and you're like, ah, he's, he won the recruiter of the year two years in a row. Yeah, but, but like, who are we talking about as old here? He's like, what? 40. He's not even 40. Yeah, I was like, I, I don't, he might be. Maybe he's 40, something like that. Um, Hang on, I'm, I'm looking up Dante. Uh, yeah, he's he's yeah. a young dude. Compared, I mean, Chris you Hawkins know, is young. Yeah, he's 38 years old. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not like. He's three years older prime. than me. Don't do this to me, all right? <laughs> it's not like he's past his prime. 
So as the proven, yeah, I, I would I would go with that. But there's no reason why Chris Hawkins can't get there and be as good or better. I just I feel like he's that he's that good. And I, I think a lot of times when you see assistant coaches sort of hit the ground running with recruiting and it's like their first opportunity and they're already great recruiters. I, I just feel like that shows a lot of your natural ability that he was just naturally going to be a very good recruiter. You want to be in a good situation, obviously. And I think he is Arizona state. They've had a lot of success, especially recruiting California where Chris Hawkins would shine, but the, the early returns were great. I just feel like that means there's a lot of upside there for him where he could become just, you know, a really amazing recruiter. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Well, good stuff. Kind of a tighter show. Uh, we don't have quite as many questions. Uh, well, it's a little over an hour. Not too bad. Um, Dave, thanks for, for, I would, you know, I came a little late from the golf course. You know, I had a, a, a rough day. Uh, <laughs> what did we shoot? What did we shoot? I shot a 90, which is, oh, okay. Like I'm, I like to be in the eighties, but it was, it was all right, but I beat all my friends and I, I won some money. So that was good. Okay. Um, we did have a question, uh, on Twitter. So W for Westwood said, I just want to know what dirt inside Troy has on David, David Woods for Dave to let Ryan run an ad for the USC podcast during the PAC 12 podcast commercial. Yeah. Are we going to talk about this bullshit right now? We might as well. Um, people are saying like, we didn't like sell an ad and I didn't, I didn't buy an ad on this podcast. We basically upload the show to a platform called megaphone and we put a pot like, here's where our break is, put an ad there. We don't have any control of what the ad is, but there are ads. Like I think bro, the broadcast has an ad just in the system and it just it randomly, doesn't. it doesn't because they haven't put it in the system yet. Oh, well that's probably a, you or Tracy thing then. It's, it's more of a me problem than it is a, <laughs> than it is a, a two, four, seven sports problem. Um, but nonetheless, I think you were complete. invited to put an ad in. Uh, I was invited to uh, put the podcast that – so here's the stupid thing. Like just okay. taking people way behind the scenes here. I pay 20 bucks a month to host that stupid podcast, the broadcast. Wait, you don't do it on Megaphone? I don't do it on Megaphone. I didn't switch it over to Megaphone yet. And they've oh. asked me twice now to just do it, and I haven't done it. And you want to know why I haven't done it? <laughs> it's purely circular. I haven't done it because I just haven't done it. I haven't gotten around right. to it. And the first time they approached me about it was probably two years ago. So in that time, I've spent $480 to host the broadcast on Libsyn for no reason. Like none whatsoever. There's no proprietary reason. There's no reason for me to want it there. I don't care about the historical data. Absolutely no reason for me to do this except just pure inertia. It's beautiful. Mm. So just so people know, Megaphone is a platform that 24-7 Sports has an agreement with. You, We can all host our podcasts on that platform for free. Yeah, no, so, for the grand total price of for free. I don't sell ads on that stupid thing either. Like there is no money. There's no reason for me to keep it on there. None. Yeah. That is, that. I mean, the fact that it's costing you $20 a month and it's just pure laziness that you've not moved. Incredible, off. right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that and might I'm be not why you like, have... and like again, deep behind the scenes, I'm not like a super wealthy guy. I mean, and now you can see for obvious reasons why. 
But it's just like, I don't know. I mean, I whatever, man. You should check out The Wealthy Barber. You I should, should read The Wealthy Barber because clearly I've, <laughs> I've missed some lessons here. Chapter three, do not pay for stuff that you can get for free. Yeah, geez. It would Boy, take howdy. about seven seconds to do, you know, literally. Anyway, anyway, any hoodle. Uh, but, yeah, no, W for Westwood. It's no it's no nefarious strategy, except that Ryan is better about, um, you know, organizing his life. Um, but no, we have no control over what ads go on any individual show. Uh, it's just whatever. But yeah. So, but thanks for that. I know people are like, I don't buy it. I'm like, I I don't know what to tell you. Like, I'm sorry. It's just not, that's just not how this works, but whatever. Uh, yeah, but we'll see what ad comes up in, uh, in this show. So let us know. Like I said, I told someone on Twitter, I don't, we don't listen. I'm sure you don't either. We don't go back and listen to the show and hear like, what ad did they put in? Like, we once we record it, like we walk. Well, Dave literally walks away. Literally, I edit it. I would and then say put this: I've I've listened to the beginning part of it before to just like I don't know to like listen for something. Um, like I don't know. I've listened to like two minutes of the beginning before. Um, our intro is interminable. Like it is so friggin' long. It would drive me insane if I was listening to this for pleasure. Like, absolutely insane. It's like a full, like, 50 seconds of that shit. Like, it is so long. And then we pretty much just repeat what's in it. I know. It's so bad. It is terrible listening. And then I do the stupid thing where I, like, either elongate the thing I say or I make it just such an awkward cadence that it's awful to listen to. And it's like a full minute of that crap before you even get to you saying, like, I don't know how to get a hold of us. Like, it's so bad. So bad. Yeah. Terrible podcast. You know, people still listen, so it's good. I know. I just don't get it. Don't hey, our boy uh, Chris Fetters just tweeted, reminder, fans can attend Washington football practice this spring, starting Saturday morning. So go to uh, dogman.com. If, you want, if you're a Washington fan, you want to go check out spring football practice. As a fan, Dave, would you go see UCLA football practice? As a fan, would I go see UCLA football practice? Well, I'll say um, I've never had the opportunity as a fan. I've only ever been to them as a journalist. And um, let me just put some thought to it. Um, trying to get myself in that mindset. No fucking way. Are you kidding? No. I'm not going to go watch practice? Spring practice? No. Get out of here. I feel like you've just... You know, you planted your flag and spring ball sucks and you just can't go away from it. No, I can't. I can't ever go away from it again. But like, I always kind of felt like that. Um, Even when I was like covering all the practices, like fall camp feels like an event. You feel like you're gearing up for something. Uh, Spring ball was always just, I don't know. It's just, who cares? My favorite was always the summer when we could cover the summer workouts, like guys coming out, like when the new freshman would come on and you kind of get to know their faces, we would film them because um, you can watch them just like in T-shirts and shorts. And then you kind of like, oh, I, I know what that guy looks like. I know what he looks like. You, you get a better feel for them. And then in the fall, then they put pads on and, you know, you're looking at the number instead. But it's just been tougher and tougher for us to cover those. And they've not allowed us to do that. But that was always my favorite. Like spring was never like great. But I, I kind of like the summer, which are weird, like just unofficial player only workouts. But I always like those. Yeah, you no, know, the the off season summer stuff they stopped um really letting us do probably a decade ago. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, good stuff. Uh that 
is David David Woods. I am Ryan Abraham. Thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast of Champions. No more basketball talk for a while. We will talk uh, football going forward. And, of course, whatever you want to write in about, we will uh, entertain, as we always do. For David, I am Ryan. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast of Champions, and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.